0: The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. Episode number? Uh, t- 229. 28, actually. Okay.
1: Well, we could do 29, whatever you want, Holly. <laughs> whatever you want. That's New Year's resolution for me. Holly yeah. is right all the time.
0: I like this resolution. This is good. This is okay. good. That's, that's
1: fair. Um, our guest this week is... Uh, Probably the farthest get. So we've talked to a couple people across the pond before, yeah, in uh, England, and there's a couple other places that now off the top of my head I don't remember. But yeah, we have never done Australia, so. Uh, Jackie, um, and I would go with, I would say your last name, but if it took you three months to figure out how to (laughs) say your last name, I'm going to butcher it and I don't want to disrespect you like that.
2: Jackie, how are you? I'm great. Thanks. Jackie Um, Ciuriati.
1: Good thing you were there for me because... uh... (laughs) It would have been a world of trouble. But Jackie, we like to ask you the skill testing question because we never know where it's going to go. Who are you and where did you come from? Oh, wow.
2: So, <laughs> um, so I'm from Sydney, Australia, and uh, I live in the um, yeah, St. George area of Sydney. So we have a beautiful river and bushland in the national park. Uh, I have a beautiful family, my husband and my son, who is eight years old. I'm a senior graphic designer and a design manager for one of um, the big fours, one of the major global companies, and um, fell in love with Jesus when I was 16 years of age, and he has taken me on an incredible journey of um, discovery and healing and, yeah, just, yeah, his, his goodness, grace and, and incredible love. Well, while well, our listeners are googling the big fours,
0: uh, let's talk about <laughs> <laughs> life growing up in Australia. You said that you met Jesus at sixteen, but what was like? Mm-hmm. What was life like heading into that uh, big milestone for you?
2: Sure. Well, I grew up in, um, I suppose, an era where there was. A lot of freedom and independence. You know, I was one of those kids riding my bicycle around at 6 o'clock at night mm-hmm. Well, I should be at home, you know, <laughs> getting ready for dinner and bath time. Um, yeah, I went to a Christian school when I was young and um, that really, I suppose, uh, gave me a foundation in Christianity. But I grew up in a home where behaviours of emotional abuse were present. Mm. So I grew up in a home where there was rage, there was, um, you know, gaslighting, name-calling, um, blame, you know, that that was a big part of my childhood growing up as a little girl. So the foundations that were laid within me were foundations of shame, of rejection, of believing I was not loved or lovable, um, of self-rejection and at the age of 16, I fell in love with Jesus. And uh, really, he he took me on this incredible journey over the next uh, 20, 28 years of um, laying new foundations within my life. It's incredible how that kind of interaction can really
0: change the trajectory of where your life is going. However, Mm -hmm. all that childhood trauma really does impact our decision making when it comes to life and our careers and our relationships for you how did how did that impact that let's start maybe with like the relationship side like how did that impact you in making those decisions
2: absolutely you know you will always attract what is familiar and what is within you you know you'll attract those same behaviors so i married when i was 19 years of age I met um, a man who was 10 years older than me within the church. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I tracked attracted, I attracted a, a relationship that was an extension of my childhood. Mm-hmm. So I went into um, the early years of the marriage, I went into domestic violence, yet domestic violence wasn't a part of my childhood. So um, I had the strength to be able to confront it until it stopped and it did stop. But looking back, I... Um, I could really see, you know, um, in hindsight that the emotional abuse from there really set in.
1: Was it everybody in your family who was doing it? Was it specific people in your family? Did you find that you had to uh, approach life differently when you were home to then not be a part of the ridicule?
2: So I grew up with three parents and there was one one parent particular.
1: Did you find that A survival mode, if you will, then uh, in your household and trying to not be a part of whatever abuse was going on?
2: Yeah, you know, I suppose um, I would put myself down as the scapegoat within the family. So the scapegoat wears a lot of the blame within the family. So I grew up really um, carrying a lot of responsibility for other people Mm -hmm. and feeling this um, need to emotionally look after other people. So because of the rage and because of the um, attack really, I grew up walking on eggshells Mm. and walking on eggshells continued into my adulthood. So, you know, From there, yeah, I would walk into eggshells because, you know, the behaviours that come out of your life when you've been through emotional abuse are behaviours like chronic people-pleasing and being an approval addict and perfection, you know, and, you know, this uh, intense fear of rejection. And, you know, um, and I had a chain around me of just just so scared of what other people thought of me and you know this came out of the behaviors the daily behaviors um, of emotional abuse that that I went through.
0: I love that you're bringing up your story because I think for a lot of us um, I know for me that was a a very similar situation that I grew up in and Mm -hmm. the church didn't really address these sorts of Uh, conversations that really did need to happen so you're talking to a good group of people here i've experienced it (laughs) johnny's wife is in physio not physiotherapy is in psychotherapy and so Mm. they have lots of conversations about this as well at home and um it's kind of a a tragic part i think in the church history especially in the 80s and the 90s where this kind of abuse is happening but you know as women as children where do you go there's no bruises so who do you tell
2: Mm. That's right, and often people don't have the discernment of who actually is the victim and who is the abuser. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the uh, areas around emotional abuse is this area of charm. You know, this area of the facade. So mm-hmm. the abuser, the abuser is very good at actually winning people over. So when they are within, like a counselling session, or with you know, sitting with a pastor. They, I find that they have an ability to articulate in a way where actually um, presents that the victim is the problem in the relationship. The victim is crazy. The victim is over emotional. The victim is reacting. You know, the victim's always crying. So you know, they uh, the spotlight then becomes on the victim rather than being on the um, the abuser. Mm-hmm.
1: What about school or friends or teachers or was there people that you could reach out to, to let them know what was going on? Or did you not have that option?
2: Yeah. So when I was young, you know, it it was my normal, you know, I didn't have, you're always too close to a situation to really uh, understand what you're living in. So, you know, uh, and I think really, it was um, a, pe- a, a period where there was a lot of that going on in most families. So, you know, you, you just really, um, yeah, you just got through. I think I definitely had stress in my life because I had eczema as a little girl. So the stress that, um, and the eczema I had actually came around my mouth. And one of the areas of emotional abuse is that it shuts down your voice. So, you know, your body will respond to where the stress is and my inability to be able to have a voice um you know through through that season of my life um yeah it was reflected in my health really so but i will say johnny that you know emotional abuse you know it, it you you attract those people into your life so i attracted it not just in a romantic relationship i attracted, it you know in my friendships i attracted it in the workplace i attracted it even even you know in church life so um but I will say that there, there was a time when the Lord highlighted that um, highlighted that for me. So, yeah. I wanted to ask about that because at some point you realize, wait,
0: I am not attracting the kind of people that I, I really want to be able to grow and live life with.
2: What yes. was that moment and how did you make that shift? Yeah. So firstly, I'll say I was in an amazing church. So an amazing church that had, excellent pastors and excellent mentors for me you know God was so kind and putting very good people around my life that helped me to begin to have eyes to see you know and along with that is I really believe the Holy Spirit gave me um, a a real strong self-awareness so and I feel like it was like a gift because I remember from my early 20s the Holy Spirit really began to show me my brokenness He, he began to show me the struggle that I felt within, you've got to understand in that period, I was living in domestic violence and, you know, I was in quite a bad state um, in regards to the way that I was, the way my body was responding to that. So I had a lot of eczema, I had a lot of stress in the relationship, but by that time a trauma bond had already formed in the relationship. So, you know, it wasn't like I could just leave the relationship. So, as the Lord brought these amazing people into my life and as I was began to serve in ministry, so my church loved me and they valued me and they gave me wings to fly. And I was a part of the worship team. And as we all know, worship is powerful, you know, and as I threw myself into loving Jesus and worshipping him, you know, I wasn't only worshipping on the platform, I was worshipping in my kitchen, I was worshipping in my bedroom. You know, I, I, I made a choice to um, run after Jesus with all my life because um, with all my strength, I need to say because my life was hard, you know, my life outside of church life on a Sunday, my life was hard. So one of the things that the Lord um, did in my life is that he brought the book Boundaries into my life in my early 20s, and that's by Henry um, Cloud and John Townsend. And that book really was the beginning for me of um. I suppose getting an understanding of, you know, the the behaviours in the relationship that were not right. And one of the main, one of, I suppose, um, not main behaviours, but a very impacting behaviour for me was the silent treatment. And I got given extended silent treatment in the relationship. Now, my family were a family that yelled and screamed at each other. (laughs) You know, we, uh, we, we never gave each other the silent treatment. So when I went through that, it sowed such a deep, I suppose sharp um, message of worthlessness into my mm-hmm. life. And as I was, um, as I was reading boundaries, the Lord actually highlighted this for me and that was one of the first steps where I actually confronted it and I began to set boundaries within the relationship.
1: You were married at 19. Did you stay married?
2: So uh, we divorced when I was just before I was 33 years of age.
1: And then you said that you're you're married now uh, with uh, your son who's eight. That's right. How difficult was it for you to get back into a relationship after dealing with all of these relationships previously?
2: Yeah. So first thing I'll say is that I made a choice to leave emotional abuse. Okay. The, the The marriage got to the point where I was had my face in my pillow every night, mm. crying out to the Lord help. My the des I was desperate. I, the emptiness in my life was so consuming that I felt like I was drowning. And I was at a women's conference, and um, I was actually um, that was a part of my ministry. I used to do like styling of the conference, and I was very busy within church life. But within on that particular day, I wasn't able to join the conference because my life was in. I was in such a bad state. And I remember standing in the foyer, listening to uh, the speaker over the loudspeaker, and she was speaking on the subject of ask. And as I stood there with tears rolling down my, my cheeks, the Holy Spirit spoke through me and I said to the Lord, Jesus, I ask for a functional marriage. And that was the beginning of the end. Now, my ex-husband was actually already, he'd already left the relationship by that stage, but we were still together. But because I was so close to um, what I had known for so many years, I really couldn't see what was going on. And so, the, and the Lord knew that. So he began to walk me through the end of that relationship. Mm. So when I got to the end of that relationship and my ex-husband ended the relationship, so I left the emotional abuse but I, I didn't leave to divorce, but he, um, he entered the marriage. And when he ended the marriage, my world exploded into a thousand pieces because he was a man that I deeply loved and that I sacrificed much for. And this is a thing within abusive relationships. There's a person who is sacrificing much, you know, they forgive, they love unconditionally, you know, they um, yeah, there's, there's so much. So, you know, and the Lord put me on a journey of having to walk through the grief of losing that marriage and really losing um, a lot in that period. Like my, you know, I had to like, you know, we had to sell my home. I had to move on from my, you know, my my church family. Like It was so much loss going on in that period for me. And I said to the Lord, I pray that I don't get stuck in the grief of losing mm. this marriage because often, you know, there's so much that you're trying to process emotionally that we actually get stuck. You know, and I made a choice that I was going to run after Jesus with all that I had in the midst of, you know, grief that at some days I couldn't even get myself off the lounge. I was in, you know, it was that, um, that hard. And I remember one day I was walking out of Burwood train station on my way to work, and um, the grief was so, so heavy, I actually nearly collapsed. And I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, Jackie, don't let go of me, you know, and that was another rise up moment. So I, I went through this year, that sorry, that that first year of, you know, allowing him to get me through that grief. It was incredibly intense. But after that, I prayed a prayer. I said to the Lord, do whatever you have to do within me that I can attract a man from a healthy, loving, functional family. You know, I was really committed to my healing and I was really committed to the Lord. Um, just transforming me you know I knew that he had great plans for my life I I believed in the future that he had for me he gave me that um, verse Jeremiah 29 11 you know that I'd heard that verse you know over and over again you know uh, over the years of you know walking with Christ but I was in such a state that I couldn't even believe that those words could possibly be for me and um And he gave me those words and and it became like, you know, rock solid within my life. And so I knew that he had great plans for me, but I had to make the choice to, you know, go to counselling, educate myself in understanding what abusive behaviours are, you know, um, go to prayer ministry, you know, break off the generational curses, all all those, you know, steps towards being ready to attract the person that God had for me. First of all, I just want to commend you
0: on making those steps and, and making that decision to really hold on to God during that time, because often mm. it's easier just to stay. It's what you know, it's what you're familiar with, but there's so much pain and trauma that comes along yeah, with that. So absolutely. Um, it's always sad when people go along the lines of saying, oh, you gave up or you quit, but yet that's not the case at all. You're, you're choosing health for yourself. Um And sometimes it's chosen for you. (laughs) You didn't make that choice, but now what do you do in the mix of it?
2: That's right. You know, the Lord, I I woke up one morning and I opened my Bible to the words um, I'm not sure these are exact words, but (laughs) the words live in peace. Hmm. And that day was the Lord saying to me, "Um, um, I'm I'm giving you permission to leave. You know, my, my world had, the thing with emotional abuse is that, you know, um, especially um, coercive control. It's all about targeting a person's confidence, their self-esteem, their security, their self-worth, their self-belief. It's all about, you know, um, taking, <laughs> taking the, the hammer and chisel, you know, and breaking that down little by little over time. You know, I had, I got to the point where I had absolutely no self-worth. You know, my confidence was completely smashed. Like I was, um, yeah, and that was was the impact of being under coercive control for so many years. So uh, it was time for me to live in peace
1: you have this new relationship with your now husband. Did you go into it saying you're going to do this relationship different? You are now a different person. And so this relationship will be a different one.
2: Over the years of um, our marriage, uh, my first marriage, now we will married for 13 and a half years and together for 16 years. So one of the things the Lord was doing in my life was that he was teaching me how to manage my response to emotionally abusive behavior. Now, I came from a family that yelled and screamed and name called. So my learnt behaviour to the abuse in my life was to yell, scream and name call. You know, so I actually was contributing to the abuse. So the Lord had to teach me how to manage my response to the emotionally abusive behaviour that was in front of me. You know, and and that looked like, you know, assertiveness. That looked like addressing the abuse and not addressing the circumstance because often we get caught in the cycle of addressing the circumstance in abuse and we actually need to stop addressing that circumstance and start addressing the actual abusive behavior so when you do that it takes your emotions out of it you know it's no longer about you and often you know as a woman um a woman is looking to her husband especially when you're marrying at 19 is looking to her husband for value you know, for that unconditional love, for respect. So when that is not given, you know, um, and you've already got a wound in that area, you know, there's a big reaction that comes when you're you're faced with abusive behaviour. So over time, as I was going through that cycle of emotional abuse, the Lord was firstly taking me to forgiveness. Secondly, he was taking me to processing through the pain. And third, he was taking me through understanding who I was in Christ had to learn my identity in Christ, because as I learned my identity in Christ, he was laying this new foundation within me that wasn't looking to a man to tell me I was of value, wasn't looking to a man to tell me that I was even loved. You know, I now had learned that I'm loved by an incredible God. You know, he values me and he adores me. I'm, I'm his jewel and his crown, you know, and you know the Lord um, so often romanced me as I was going through. You know I, I got called some uh, quite harsh names, you know, and you know for for a, a a young woman who is trying to grow in knowing who she is, like it's devastating, devastating to hear those those names. So I would run to Song of songs, I would run to the Psalms, I'd run to run to Isaiah, and the Lord would just speak to me through through those passages, and He started, you know, really putting it up. Uh, you know, uh, writing writing a, a new narrative over who I was. I was no longer, you know, those um, nasty names that I had been called for, you know, over the years. I mean, you know, I was his daughter. I was his princess. Um, so when I met Marco, <laughs> just to get to your question, when I met Marco, Johnny, you know, the poor guy. I really watched him like a hawk for the first five months. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I knew what it, um, what it took for a marriage not to work. <laughs> and I knew what behaviors I was looking for. <laughs> so, you know, um, you know, I was looking for a person who was consistent. And, you know, how did he manage disappointment? How did he manage his frustration? How did he manage when, you know, I was having a messy day and when I got it wrong? You know, what was his response and reaction to that? And my husband came up this consistent man. Marco's not scared of being vulnerable. He's not scared to speak his heart in a moment where he feels hurt. You know, he doesn't put on the facade. He doesn't pretend to be this perfect person full of charm. You know, when I met Marco, I was very attracted to his looks, but I actually wasn't attracted to him. And, you know, because I was so naturally attracted to a narcissistic character, you know, to to the charm and to the facade of a person, I wasn't attracted to someone who was authentic and real. So when I got to know him, I actually wasn't attracted to him, but over those first, but my heart was saying one thing, (laughs) my head was saying another. And um, over those five months, the Lord was showing me character, you know, and I got to the, the end of those first five months and the Holy Spirit just dropped Jackie, this is your husband.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's always nice when just God lays it out for you.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was a bit of a roller coaster. You know, when, you, when you've when you been through so much disappointment,
0: sure. you know,
2: you, you're still trying to get through the fear of going through more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I had to trust God. And, you know, I've had a big issue with trusting God, to be honest with you. <laughs> He had to take me through, um, actually, I was at a Hillsong Conference and um, Craig Grishel was speaking and he was speaking on the subject of fear and I was sitting in the audience and I said to the Lord, I've got no issues there no issues at all. I'm fine. And uh, anyway, I went to buy a teaching CD and I accidentally bought the teaching series, sorry, CD on fear. <laughs> so, accidentally, <laughs> <so not> quote <laughs> And uh, I woke up in the morning and the Holy Spirit asked me to listen to it. And I was like, okay. And I, I started praying and I said to the Lord, okay, if you wanted me to listen to this, then you got to tell me what my fear is. And he said to me, you don't trust me with your husband. Mm-hmm. And I, and I said to him, Absolutely, (laughs) (laughs) I definitely don't trust you with my husband. But you know that brought me to a place of trust. Hmm.
1: So you've (laughs) gone through this life journey. Uh, You you know continually um, better yourself, going through these different traumas, and then at some point you decide that uh, you're going to write, or the Lord had placed it on your heart. Uh, Goodbye for now. Goodbye forever. Why then dive into the uh, life of becoming an author?
2: Yeah, right. (laughs) And, you know, just lay it all out there. You know, it's an incredibly personal book. And um, I definitely uh, had, you know, a huge meltdown when I was launching it um, because it's pretty raw. And, you know, I'm not just talking about one person in my life. I'm talking about, you know, my family of origin. And most people are happy to talk about, you know, um, going through an abusive situation with a person that's not connected to their family. But when it's, you know, when it's your family, it's really hard to put that in a book. So for me, it's been a really big step of obedience and uh, just trusting God. And um, so my passion wasn't just to write my story. My passion was to put tools in other women's hands who are dealing with emotionally abusive behavior. And, um, you know, I, I talk about really understanding the agenda of control, you know, um, the Jezebel spirit is a spirit of confusion, along with, you know, control and manipulation. And often it's hard to discern and understand when you're under controlling behavior. And especially if it's, you know, something you've dealt with since you're a child. So um, as the the Lord, you know, took me through uh, a number of circumstances, you know, in family, in the workplace, in church life where I was dealing with um, this controlling spirit, you know, and these controlling people. And, you know, he, he put tools in my hand on, on how to break free from being under that control, and, um, and that's my story. And, you know, my passion was that, um, you know, I, I went after the Lord so so diligently because I didn't want my child, my future child at that time, who is now my son, to walk in the same footsteps as what I walked in. And you know, he really was the the force behind my choices, and um, and you know, my my heart is to see that other women make choices for their children, not just for themselves. You know, you got to think about the generations. So that was, um, yeah, that was a that was yeah a part of it. How did your family? How did people close to you react to the book? Uh, In all different ways, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I, I think it's still yeah it's a pretty raw raw raw, to- raw to- topics so, yeah. yeah yeah
0: but it's important to share those because so many people I-, I think especially in the the Christian community are experiencing stuff like this but don't recognize it or don't know how to get out of it or don't have yeah you know the support system to help navigate through the situation so you know when you tell the story uh, you know, I do hope that with your book, it will encourage people who might be in a similar situation, but not quite see it yet, to see it from a fresh yeah. perspective.
2: Absolutely. Can I just say? I just wanted to go back right to the beginning. Um, I was 18, sitting at the bus stop on my way to Bible college, and the whole and I was reading my Bible, and I just would I just felt to quickly read it in Isaiah 54, and the, the Holy Spirit spoke to me so clearly and said, through Isaiah 54:11, afflicted city lashed by storms and not comforted. I will re- rebuild you with stones of turquoise, your foundations with lapis lazuli. I'll make your battlements of rubies and your gates of sparkling jewels and all your walls of precious stones. And all your children will be taught by the Lord and great will be their peace. And the Lord spoke to me and said that the years ahead will be years of laying new foundations. Mm. And along with that is in my early 20s, I was on the worship team and there was a visiting pastor from the States and he prophesied over me. He said to me, your life is like climbing a mountain on crutches Hmm. and you will eventually get up to the top of the mountain and you will fly down the other side. But, you know, emotional abuse is like climbing a mountain on crutches. You know, you take one step forward and then you fall back, maybe two or three steps. You, You cry out in pain you get up again, you try to take another step forward, and that really has been my life over the last you know 26 years. As the Lord has um, asked me to address all, all relationships in my life and put me through all, you know different circumstances because you know the cycle of emotional abuse um, is actually that they say, I, I listened to um, a woman who. Yeah, speaks a lot of narcissism, and she she said that it's equivalent to breaking free from a heroin addiction. Mm. That's how strong the pull is to the cycle of emotional abuse. So, you know, when I uh, consider others who are on this journey, my passion is to say to them, choose to be an overcomer because you are actually, you know, you are breaking strongholds for generations,
0: You talk about a mountain and this is the Why Me Project podcast where we talk about the hills and valleys of life, you know, reflecting over your lifetime, were there any really standout Why Me moments, whether it was in a valley or on the mountaintop?
2: Oh, you just got me emotional. (laughs) Uh, Definitely. Um, You know, there is this incredible um, ministry in Australia. It's actually global called LL Ministries. And LR Ministries, I visited a number of times, doing their courses and doing their pre ministry, and they were a huge part of my healing. As the Lord has taken me, um, really, you know, over the last ten to twelve years, um, and I would go back and visit them, and um, and there was, I went through, I went through um, the control and really like a narcissistic attack within the church. And when I went through that, it was like losing another family and all my world came crashing down again. And I went to Ella Ministries to get healing for that. And a part of the course was, it was called Healing Through Creativity. And they had all these different stations around and there was painting and there was Um, sculpting and um, mosaic and all these different stations you got to sit down and be creative and have the Holy Spirit speak to you through your creativity and I felt the Holy Spirit show me that he wanted me to paint now I'm a graphic designer but I'm no painter (laughs) I'm no artist (laughs) so I'm like all right I'm going to do with his paintbrush and um and I just started painting and and I finished the painting and the prayer, um, one of the prayer ministers came up and he said to me, Jackie, you know, what do you feel the Holy Spirit is saying to you? And I looked at that painting and I closed my eyes and I said to, I said to Jesus, Lord, I feel like everything I love gets taken away from me. And he whispered back, I know, Jackie, but I am yours. Hmm. And in that moment, he showed me, you know, you can have, you can lose your family, you can lose your home, you can lose your job and your career, you can lose your ministry. But as we stand at the foot of the cross, really, all we need is him. All we need is Jesus. And I got to a place in my life where you know I'm so grateful for my family I'm so grateful for all the all the things that you know he has given to me given back to me through this restoration but more than anything I'm just so grateful for him he's mine and no one (laughs) no one can take him away from me
1: Goodbye for now. Goodbye forever. You uh, pick it up immediately. Uh, Go to uh, sheovercame.com. Jackie, this has been uh, such a great time. Thank you for uh, taking some time and sharing with us.
2: Thank you for having me today.
1: Thank you again to Jackie for taking some time and uh, talking about things that are definitely emotional. And it's it's tough sometimes to uh, be real about it, but we need to be real in order to not only heal ourselves, but to help others around us.
0: Yeah, and she had some really key points just about emotional abuse in marriages, in other relationships as well, because they're not limited to a, a marriage. And um, it's one of those things where, yeah, the abusers are the charmers in a lot of cases. And uh, there's a lot of pain even within the church because of this. So it's an important thing to, to learn how to navigate those situations.
1: The sad part is, is that there are times when things like this happen and the response that some people will have is, well, what did you do?
0: Yeah, I know. And I
1: think we need to get away from that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Let's not victim blame. Let's just look at the situation and support people who are saying, I need help. Yeah, I need help.
1: Especially in a time like this, where we have a pandemic and there's, there's more abuse going on. There's a lot of people who are dealing with this stuff in silence. Yeah, Uh, There are more 911 calls than ever before because of domestic abuse or physical abuse or emotional abuse. or So it it is going on. And for us to say that it's not, uh, we can't be turning a blind eye, whether it's a church community or work environment or whatever.
0: And I want to encourage you. If something that uh, Jackie said resonated with you, maybe you are um, hearing her words and you're thinking, that kind of sounds like my life. Mm. Um, Talk to somebody about it. and really pray into it as to who best to speak to. A a counselor, maybe it is somebody at church. Maybe it's somebody not a part of the church. There's you know, Christian counselors out there as well. Uh, She mentioned art therapy, and I thought about your wife. It's a great way of being able to express what's happening inside if you don't have words for it. So I just want to encourage you, just reach out, talk to somebody, and don't go through this alone.
1: Yeah. And you can reach out to us, not saying that we are professionals of any kind, <laughs> yeah. but we might be able to get nope. you in contact with someone uh, at why me project at outlook.com on our Facebook page, on the Twitter, on Instagram, uh, follow Holly on the TikTok or whatever. <laughs> if, if you need somebody to talk to, we'll definitely uh, be able to do what we can on our end
0: yeah absolutely absolutely uh share this please with someone you think might be encouraged by it uh, the links are on all of the different platforms like apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify edify they'll kind of have the same ring to it hey
1: yeah fi
0: <laughs> and of course you can always go to faithstrongtoday.com